0: I had a great teaching moment today with one of my up-and-coming leaders at My Amazon Guy, and I thought it was a great topic to dive into for a video to share with you. So at My Amazon Guy, we have 485 employees. And as a leader, I always constantly have to battle with the fact that none of those employees are ever going to care about my business as much as I do. And so as a leader, you have to constantly prioritize your focus. You have to think about... Is it worth investing in this individual or this one? Because you can't invest equally everywhere, otherwise you won't accomplish anything at all. And so as we go dialoguing through some of these challenges, I started talking to this individual about how I had invested in them. And and I said, hey, when, when you were doing this really difficult task and you were coming up short time and time again, did I give up on you? And they said, no, you didn't. And I said, well, if you were in my shoes, would you have given up on the other employee? And they kind of said, yeah, probably would have. And I said, but is it worth it? Like, was the investment that I paid into you, did it turn out? And a year later, it's pretty easy to see, absolutely, yes, it paid out. But at the time, when you're putting the time into the tribulation, you have to wonder, you have to ask the question, right? And so uh, I kind of think about this as, uh, you know, kind of a Christian concept. And even if you're not Christian, you'll still appreciate this, so so go with me a little bit. Um, So Jesus Christ died for all of our sins, right? And there's some individuals who will reject that concept and will say, hey, that's not for me. But he still died for them anyway, right? And so as a leader, you often have to do this kind of Christ-like mentality where you invest in people knowing that some people even though you invest fully, you give it your full value, are not going to produce the intended outcome that you're seeking. But you have to, as a leader, willingly sacrifice to make that happen. Because if you don't, your company cannot grow, or at least it won't run as well. It won't have the right culture, the right people. Because sacrifice is the largest way, fastest way to grow a company. You hear this all the time. I mean, it's, it's not hard for me to articulate this at all. Every entrepreneur ever has a story. In that story, they typically have a big bad wolf or a battle or working 80-hour work weeks or challenges of, I didn't even pay myself for the first two years. And eventually, they make it big. And some don't. Let's be clear. Many fail. Um, every business ever is always going to fail at one point. There's no such thing as a permanent business. At that point, you would have a religion, right? But at the same time, there are certain businesses and certain entrepreneurs who succeed, and certain ones do not, even if they were in the same field, the same category, the same economic standpoint, uh, the winds are good, the winds are bad. Certain individuals succeed despite those circumstances, and other individuals fall flat. So as I look at 485 employees, if I was talking to the finance guy, they might say, oh, we're overstaffed. There's so much waste. And I, I would guarantee you they would be right in some cases. But if you went down that path and you started executing labor, so to speak, you might cut more muscle than you cut fat. And as a result, you then become understaffed or you cause damage to the culture or there's other in unintended consequences, it's very much like the Jeopardy thesis, where you're trying to go left, but because you go left, you end up going right, and this is something that we see played out again and again in business, and so stability and the lack of chaos is generally uh, an easier mechanism. It's, it's uh, not as profitable as quick, let's be clear, right? but it, it is absolutely a mechanism that leads to sustained economic growth. Uh, the lack of chaos and the improvement of stability makes you the captain on this boat that is in a major storm. And the people that are on the boat with you recognize there's a storm. But because they trust the captain to get them through the storm, holding on to that steering wheel, they will be able to get through the storm with you. Right now, there's other times when maybe it's a sleepy company and Uh, You need to poke the bear a little bit to get things going and rile some things up. And there's a time and a place for that. Every situation is going to be unique. There's variables upon variables galore. I joined the Entrepreneurs Organization hoping I could talk to other business owners and leaders to figure out if there was something I could gain from them or to share my insights with them um, reciprocally to figure out how to get better at being a leader, how to get better at running a business, and vice versa. I absolutely gained several wonderful things out of joining the EO program. But ultimately, after two years, I decided, you know, I think I've outgrown it. And I and I ended up going back within myself. Right. So as a CEO, there's sometimes when you need to get outside of yourself and there's other times that you need to go into yourself. And that's kind of a weird concept. What I mean by uh, Sticking to your own guns and sticking to your own belief sets and doubling down and letting things play out, that might be sticking within oneself and And getting outside of yourself, you might hire some consultants, you might engage in an, you know an organization or a leadership summit or a group of people, um, you know like I did with eO. and you're looking for outsider perspective. you're looking for outsider solutions. So at my Amazon guy, we're a $20 million grossing per year agency at the end of 2023 here. And I felt like some of the problems that we experienced are super unique, that I hadn't seen anybody else in the space, in the Amazon agency space, deal with them before. Uh, I had a bunch of theories and a hypothesis that I was operating under and what I was focusing on. And and I would go talk to lots of other agencies, and, and there would be some you know, similar things that they would experience, but not the same exact problems that I face. Most other agencies in the Amazon space usually tap out at around 40 clients. They can't get past that 40th client or they start to uh, fall on their face for one reason or another. And I've got a lot of uh, theories around that about how they can't get outside of being an account director until you hire that second account director to get past that 40th client. I have over 400 brands that I work with, and so what works for a brand or a company with 40 accounts or 40 clients will definitely not be the same operation or skill set that runs 400. Uh, I'm not aware of any other agency that runs 400 uh, brands like we do, so it's a very unique beast. So I thought, what if I go to other leaders in other sectors who had to solve problems for the first time? Problems. They'd never experienced before. And, and so I would you know, quiz, and you know, whether it was the oil industry, whether it was real estate or any other sector uh, that's been around longer than my sector, surely they've had problems that somebody had to come through and eventually solve. And so that's what I did by getting outside of myself and, and trying to learn some, some of that. But as we tie this back into leadership and investments in people, I've had to make a lot of decisions Saying no to a lot of things is a very common concept that you have to deal with. Uh, There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of banter. There's a lot of naysaying. There's a lot of complaints, right? As a leader that makes it to your desk, hopefully, it's usually one of those 51-49 decisions, and it wouldn't be at your desk unless it was difficult. However, um, oftentimes, sometimes delegation doesn't take hold or doesn't take root, and you're holding on to the vine, so to speak, too long. And you end up doing all of the 80-20 decisions in addition to the 49-51s at the same time. Uh, and so to solve for that, you have to build up other leaders in the organization. So what I've done for five and a half years in my organization is try to instill the concept of replacing yourself. And I've used core values and manager values to do that. Uh, and I've brought in consultants who have told me they've ne- they've heard about companies talking about their core values before, but they've never really seen a company live their core values like my Amazon guy does. We're very vocal about our core values. Uh, people see them plastered all over our job descriptions. You could check them out yourself by going to myamazonguy.com core and you can see them on screen. I will change a core value every six to 12 months depending on the behavior I want to drive. And I think as a leader, the decision of what behavior you want to drive is very critical. If you don't have a behavior that you're seeking, then don't make any changes because if you just make changes for change's sake, you're not gonna get your intended result. It's gonna be chaos. But by having core values, which you see here on the left, which we've labeled as learning eagerness, consistent communication, tech savvy, and teaching. uh, Only two of these have really survived lengthy periods of time. The other three I've kind of swapped out over the last three years. Uh, Learning used to be growing. Eagerness used to be impatience. Those two are pretty much the same core value that they initially were intended as, uh, but we've rebranded them to try and emphasize different key points or to drive specific behavior. So instead of somebody wanting to grow, we want them to learn, for example. Growing could also be extrapolated as growing the accounts we work with, which is why we have our kind of a logo symbol there, and and that was fine as well. Uh, We had to change eagerness from impatience because the impatience keyword was giving a lot of people a negative taste. It was the least favorite core value. Had a lot of people complaining that we actually were pro-impatience, or they felt the pressure of having to deliver so quickly. Uh, The design team especially hated the impatience keyword uh, for a core value. So I rebranded that as eagerness. Same sort of concept, a bias to get started, keenness, fresh action, because in an agency you have to constantly deliver and take action all the time. I had strategic communications rebranded as consistent communications, because a lot of people would be strategic in their communications, but they wouldn't be consistent in it. And so I wanted to focus in on the fact that you have to frequently, with clarity and accuracy, purposely act and display that strategy. So we had people uh, that I tried to hire executives and onboard them into the company who couldn't operate in a consistent communication environment. They weren't uh, friendly in Slack, so to speak. They couldn't keep up with the volume of Slack messages that we deal with at my Amazon guy because it Quite frankly, it's, it's like being connected into the Borg inside of Star Trek, which is why I have the emoji, a Borg head, right? Because we need people to be comfortable and confident with that kind of culture. For me to be able to articulate that being inside a mag is like being connected into the Borg is very telling. That's going to push away certain people who don't want to be connected to the Borg, but it will also attract others who want to be in, in, you know, installed into the Borg and stop resisting and you know sign me up for some cyborg technology, right? It's, it, that's what culture should be. It should be polarizing, pulling the people that you want and pushing others away. Tech savvy, this is uh, one that really has never been edited at all. Uh, type 55 words per minute. That's a really kind of a quantifiable way to base it We like Excel gurus, Google enthusiasts, which is why I have the Google uh, symbol right there as the emoji. Uses Slack threads. Uh, (laughs) Some of you are gonna be like, why would he be pointing out something so specific as using Slack threads? And the reason for that is because uh, part of all of our culture needs to be organized communication and we find that tech savvy people are able to mitigate or deal with that and organize their thoughts in Slack threads. And non-tech savvy people have no concept or ability to do that, right? And so, uh, with 485 people connected to the Borg, if they don't communicate a certain way, it starts creating chaos and a waste of labor and talent. Finally, teaching. This is the newest core value at my Amazon guy, uh, and it it was very important to me um, because we're an education company that happens to be an agency, and. Some of you might be saying, well, isn't learning enough by itself? Turns out it's not, because uh, with a growing company, you have to have not only learning, but you need others inside of the company to create said learning a la teaching. And we need everybody to help teach and share their knowledge with others. And so I instituted that as the latest and newest core value to drive additional behaviors. As a visionary, we look in books like Traction and other really great uh, business entrepreneurship books that teach the concepts of using core values to help create the culture. And this is something that I would give myself an A plus on. Uh, But I also found that having a different set of manager values was supplemental and very helpful. So if if you get a passing grade on all of the core values, you're good to go. You'll always have a job at MAG. But if you get a, a negative on manager values, you can't be a manager. You could still work at the company, but you couldn't be a manager. And so I also created these other manager values as a leadership trait, multiply yourself, replace yourself to scale mag one plus one equals three. Uh, And that very much is uh, a play on numbers because when a man and a woman get married and have a kid, it is one plus one equals three. And I'm very much trying to teach that as a concept or drive that behavior because internally, uh, multiplying yourself is a core concept to growing a company and there's 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 only so many people currently inside of the company and so we have to continuously pull new people in to grow the company right now you can always use technology and systems and processes to try and not have to hire more people but in my model none of that works It's an agency. You always will have to hire more and more people. It's just literally an equation. Every company ever always has one of two problems as an agency. You either have too many clients or not enough. Rephrasing that problem a different way, you either have too many employees or not enough. That equation will never go away, must always be solved, discussed on a weekly, maybe monthly basis, and always have Resources ready to go. This is why I staff my Amazon guide to 120%. That allows me for a comfortable 10% growth. It also allows me for a comfortable 10% discharge should employees quit or be fired. Uh, And so I have found that that concept has done well for me. Uh, Harry Joyner, one of the most famous e commerce recruiters, taught me long ago, probably a decade ago at this point, the concept of being soft on the people but tough on the issues. So I've got some soft serve ice cream to symbolize the being the soft and the people. I have the mountain for tough on the issues because sometimes you have to climb a mountain uh, to get where you want to go. And accountability to those you manage and holding to metrics. Uh, Feedback must be given fast at my company. I teach and drive that behavior that if you have a direct report that hasn't received feedback from you this week, you are doing them a disfavor. You must constantly give Feedback to all members that report to you. Extreme ownership, very much after the book Extreme Ownership, and radical candor, very much after the book Radical Candor. Um, I have found that those that utilize these traits taught in those books make for great leaders. If you can't use extreme ownership, you'll point fingers, blame your team, but there's no such thing as a bad team. There is only such thing as a bad leader. And If you can't figure out what the problem is, it's always you, it's always you as the leader. It's either your vision, your communication of the vision, the policies that you've chosen to put into place as a leader or somewhere along those lines. Radical candor, I am very big believer on not only giving fast feedback, but saying how it is. And so I've got the Spock symbol like this. Uh, I, I'm often compared to Spock by those that work with me uh, because I'm definitely the opposite of Captain Kirk. Uh, emotions be damned, I'm straight up, straight in, tell it how it is, we must go north, we must go do this, uh, here's how I feel about that, here's the results, etc. tell it how it is every single day. And I've built my culture and my leadership team around these concepts, and if I hire a new leader who cannot do these manager values, their time at my company is nigh. It's, it's a short-lived experience. So I shared that because I felt like it's a good way to encompass some of the themes that I'm talking about in this leadership dialogue today. You have to have a clear vision of what you're wanting from your company. You then have to manage people and drive specific behaviors that you're seeking from those people, from those leaders inside of your company and get them to replicate those behaviors that you're seeking and teaching to others within the company and that is how you scale. Uh, and so I have taken that upon myself and tried to teach those within my company what I'm seeking, how I want it done, and where I'm trying to push it. My name is Stephen Pope. I'm the founder of My Amazon Guy, and I also own uh, My Agency Guide. And if you're an agency trying to figure out how to do your next step, you may want to check out some of the SOPs that I've built on my own playbook on how to build a $20 million ARR, that is 20 million per year grossing agency. Uh, And for a couple thousand dollars, two thousand, you can get my operations SOPs, or if you want to learn how I do my sales process, you can pay 10,000 and get the ops plus the sales as part of the program, includes everything in ops, and you additionally get everything in the sales accelerator. You can check this out at myguy.agency. We also have a free case study, which you can see at myguide.agency/case, or go click on the case study button here, where I go into great detail about how I built this agency from the ground up. And I go through every single one of these slides and talk about it. I'm gonna link you to that video next. It's an hour long where I share my entire story from scratch on how I did what I do. You'll wanna check that out next. Thanks for watching.